In the New Living, it reads, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses for the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. And we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, uh, disregarding the shame, and now he is seated at the place of honor besides God's throne. Verse 3, now think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. Come on, can I get amen this morning? So we're going to start a new series today called Weights. Everybody say Weights. And the title of my message today specifically is called The Race of Faith. The Race of Faith. Everybody say, The Race of Faith. The Race of Faith. Now, I know you're taking notes today and you're good note takers at this church, uh, but we're going to need you to be responsive also. Uh, So that's very appreciated. I preach better when you respond. Uh, I'm, I need encouragement. I'm just insecure like that. And uh, the preacher needs some encouragement. He needs smiles and amens. And, you know, if I'm preaching good, if I'm helping you, say amen every once in a while. Uh, so we're going to start a new series called Weights. And we're going to talk about the race of faith, the race of faith today. So we're going to kind of hang out in Roman, or, uh, Hebrews 12, uh, 1 through 3 today. And that's kind of going to be our focus of what we're talking about today. So uh, we're getting into Hebrews, which... Uh, Somebody in here, that's their favorite book of the Bible. (laughs) So, uh, I don't know if you know who that is, but there's somebody in here that's their favorite book in the Bible. Hebrews. Hebrews. Hebrews 12. And uh, so, Hebrews is a very important book in the Bible. And... uh, (laughs) They don't, they don't know who wrote Hebrews. Uh, Hebrews, it's uh, when researching this and looking this up, you know, they think it could be Paul, could be Apollos. Uh, but they knew it was somebody who was a very smart man. So that's why they, they think it was Paul or Apollos. Uh, because uh, the way it was written, if you read the book of Hebrews, it's not for the faint of heart. Uh, if you read the book of Hebrews, you need to know something about your Bible or you're going to be lost completely as soon as you get into it. And... Uh, so when you read the book of Hebrews, there's a lot of stuff in there. It could be complicated if you're, you don't know much about your Bible. And uh, he wrote this book to the Hebrews. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that cool how that works out? He named it Hebrews because he wrote it to Hebrews. It's pretty simple. At least that part of Hebrews is simple. Uh, he was writing to Hebrew people, Jewish people, uh, who were, a lot of people think that they were living in Rome in the time that it was written. Uh, so he's got... Hebrew people, Jewish people who were, had become Christians, and they were living in Rome at that time when they wrote the book. And so uh, kind of the context of Hebrews, it was written around 60 AD, and the context of this is you've got people that are followers of Jesus, not just uh, uh, followers of Jesus, but Jewish followers of Jesus, so that adds some extra persecution, and people were being persecuted, like, like real persecution Bible times persecution. Now, we think persecution in the United States is somebody didn't like your post on Facebook. Or um, they commented back at something that you said. Or they didn't invite you to the office party. Now, we're talking about real persecution. So he's writing to a group of Hebrews, thus the name Hebrews, in Rome, who are being persecuted and not persecuted lightly. They're being persecuted in such a way that people are going and being killed for their faith. 
not just dislikes on Facebook, real persecution. Uh, people are being thrown into prison. People are being crucified, just like Jesus was crucified. People are, you know, some you have seen Gladiator before. They are being thrown into the Roman Colosseum, and animals are eating them for show. Real persecution, would you say so? Um, so they're facing real trials, real uh, tribulations. They're facing real persecution, not like American persecution. Sorry, we're not being persecuted over here. Uh, real persecution. There's people right now still in the Middle East and, and places like that around the world and, and in Africa that they understand real persecution because they could die for their faith. Uh, we, we don't understand what kind of persecution is like. So the book of Hebrews is written to encourage and exhort this group of Hebrew believers in Rome. So that's what I'm hoping it's going to do for you today, even though you're not in Rome in the first century, and, and a lot of you aren't a Hebrew by background or by birth, that it's going to encourage you and exhort you in the same way it did these early believers all these thousands of years ago when he wrote it. To people, notice the context is persecution, and he could tell whoever wrote this book that they were being persecuted to the point that they were going to want to give up on their faith and go back and stop believing God. And I say they would have good reason if they knew they were going to get killed. Uh, real persecution. So uh, we see that this is written to believers to encourage and exhort them in their faith not to give up, not to quit, to stay with it, to keep going. And so that is the message really of Hebrews and we're going to read in Hebrews 12 and verse 1. Hebrews 12 and verse 1. He says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Verse 2, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he's seated at the place of honor beside God's throne. Notice verse 3, because he's, he's talking to people that want to give up. He says, think of this. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. You won't become weary and give up. So we're going to talk today about the race of faith. The race of faith. You with me today so far? The race of faith. And the Bible, especially in the New Testament, uses this uh, word picture of a race. That the Christian life is like a race. That your life from start to finish is like a race. And so you see that all along in the New Testament writings, especially Paul. He talks a lot about race. And the race you have to run. And you want to finish your race with joy. And when, when Paul went to be with the Lord and when he was martyred, he said before he was martyred, I finished the race. I finished it. So I can go to heaven now. I finished it. I did it. I did what I was called to do. I ran my race. I finished my course. I kept my faith. And now I'm going to go to be with the Lord. And so the Christian life is like a race from start to finish. Now, uh, in those times, just like today, they had the Olympics back then just like we do today. They didn't, they didn't have all the uh, games that we have today with all the technology we have. Uh, they didn't have all those games, but they had the Olympics in that period of time when uh, the Bible was written. They, they knew about the Olympic games, especially somebody like Paul or Apollos who was very cultured. 
they would have been to, to Greece, they would have been, went to Rome, they would have went to all these different places to see the Olympic Games. I mean, you know, there's not, they didn't have TV back then, so the thing to do was to go see somebody race, was to go see somebody box, was to go see these early Olympic Games. So that's what he's using, really, in the first part of Hebrews 12 and verse 1. But I want to start here. We're going to kind of just go through this, if that's okay. We're going to talk about what this means. So he, first of all, he says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to this life of faith. We are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to this life of faith. He said we are surrounded by these crowd of witnesses. Now, who is he talking about there? He's talking about uh, several different groups of people, I think. First of all, Hebrews 11 is written right before Hebrews 12. That's why I'm the pastor. That's why they pay me the big bucks. <laughs> Hebrews 11 is before Hebrews 12. That's a private school education working for you there. And what is Hebrews 11 all about? The hall of faith. He's talking about all the famous people that we read about in the Old Testament. And he's talking about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and Jeremiah and David and all these different people that were in the Bible, men and women of faith, in Hebrews 11. And then in Hebrews 12, the beginning of it, he says, so then we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, we need to run this race. Because they already finished their race. But he's using this word picture and he's saying that these people, just like when you go to the Olympics or today if you go to a basketball game, a football game, any kind of game, there are bleachers in their stands where you can watch the race. And he's saying that all these people that are up in heaven right now are watching the race that we're in. And we're surrounded by these people and we're not just surrounded by these Old Testament people, we're surrounded by New Testament people right now. How many know James and Peter and John and Paul and all these men and women of God are are up there in the Old Testament saints and all the different people that have passed away in the, the, the past several thousands and thousands of years, all the people that went before us, all the generals of God, all the Brother Hagans, all the Dr. Summerall's, all the Dr. Dufresne's, all the Catherine Kuhlman's, all the Amy Simple McPherson's, all the men and women of God are watching this race. And there's not just thousands, there's millions and probably billions up there right now, and they're watching the race. They're in heaven, so they're in the stands, but they're watching the race on earth. They're watching our race. You know what they're doing? They're cheering us on. Do you know that? You've got a lot of people cheering you on today. You've got a lot of people rooting for you today. You've got a lot of people praying for you today. And they're saying, I finished my race, you can finish your race. God got me through it. He can get you through it too. And they're cheering you on in your race and believing the best. Now, I don't know what all they can see in heaven. I'm not there yet, but I'm believing that they're, they're watching us. It says we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And they're watching us and notice they're cheering us on. And that should encourage you and give you strength every day. That these great men and women of God that we read about in the Bible and even people that weren't in the Bible that lived in modern day that did great things for God, they're all there. They're all looking at us. They're all cheering us on, saying, go for it. Saying, you got this. You can finish this race. You can do this. We got a great cloud of witnesses that are 
cheering us on, that are praying for us. And notice it says we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. He said, he goes on and says, let us then strip off every weight that slows us down. And especially the sin that so easily traps us or trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Let us run the race that God has set before us. So we see that since we have these cloud of witnesses that are cheering us on, that are rooting for us, that we need to strip off the weight that's slowing us down and the sin that can trip us up. And it says, let us run our race with endurance. How many know it's easy to start? It's easy to start. It's a little different to finish. That's why he says with endurance. Now, those aren't fun words. Patience, endurance, stick with it, stay with it, keep on going when you don't feel like it. Now, none of us like those words, but he's saying you're not going to win the race unless you have some endurance. It's easy to start. It's easy to start. You're excited. You're pumped up at the beginning of the race, but you me know when it keeps going and you start getting tired, everybody wants to quit. Everybody gets tired in a race. That's why he says you got to run with endurance. You got to run with endurance. And you and I know people, and I'm not saying this in a negative way or in a bad way, but you and I know people who started out just as excited about God as you are. And they don't even go to church today. Now, what happened? They didn't run with endurance. They got excited, they got started, but they didn't have any endurance. Now, it's been said before, and I believe this, you know, th- this life of faith or the, the journey we have with God is not a sprint, it's a marathon. It's not just a short sprint around and we're done. No, this is a, this is a long, full life we have on this earth. Uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of time we have here uh, to do something for God, and it's, it takes endurance, like a marathon runner. Usually sprinters and marathon runners, uh, they can't just switch sports and be good at the other sport. Uh, because it's two different types of runners. And there's one that has to have endurance. The other one can just run as fast as they want so they can hurry up and get it over with and win the race. But you've got to have some endurance when you run long distance. Now, I know this because I'm an expert. I ran cross country in middle school one year. I'm pretty sure I threw up every race. And, uh, but I was pretty good for one year. It was pretty good, and I actually liked it. I liked cross-country more than sprinting for some strange reason. I don't know why, what was the matter with me, but I did. So I'm just speaking from an expert's advice here about long-distance running. So cross-country running is very different than sprinting, very different. Uh, you have to pace yourself. You have to make sure that you have some reserve left in the tank. You have to make sure that you don't, Use all your energy right at the beginning. So many people talk about they burn out. Well, what happened? You just used all your energy right at the beginning. You don't got any endurance for the rest of the race. And there's something that happens a lot of time in a race about halfway through. Now, this is encouraging for you that are uh, middle-aged to elderly in here, um, which you're young at heart, but just, just your age by number. I know you're all young at heart here. 
and y'all look young. I, I don't even think there's any middle-aged or elderly people in here. But um, the thing that's, thank you. The thing that's good about a, a marathon race is this. Uh, when you get in those, those long marathon races is about halfway through, there's something called your second wind. Come on, where, where my season saints at? About halfway through when you start feeling weird, there's a runner's high that kicks in. And you get your second wind. And you get a little bit extra energy because you realize, oh, I'm getting closer to the finish line. So I need to, I need to speed up a little bit here. A lot of times where it lags is, is, is right before they get to the middle part because they, they're not seeing the end in sight. But something happens when they get over that little hump there, that midlife crisis as we could call it. I'm not believing that for any of you, uh, is you see the end in sight and you get that second win to finish strong because it's a marathon. You need some endurance. But let's think about race even uh, another way than that. The race that God has for us is not just a marathon. It's actually a relay race. Because in reality, now let me get this bottle of water here. In reality, every generation has the responsibility to hand something off to the next generation. And every generation since the beginning of time has handed off something to the next generation, whether it was good or bad. In reality, in the plan, in the story of God, it's not just, we're not just running uh, for ourselves or by ourselves. Actually, we're running for somebody else other than us. Because we can determine where the next generation is by how we hand it off to them. And you know in the Bible, that's why it says you don't want to slow down because you slowing down slows down the next generation's progress. You being hindered doesn't just hinder you in your race, it hinders the people around you in their race. Because this is a relay race. And how many know in the relay race, every part has its responsibilities? And if you don't hand it off right in the right time for that next generation or the next person, then they're not going to be able to finish the way they should finish because of the way you handed it off to somebody else. In reality, that's what uh, this life of God is in this race that we have with him. It's a relay race. And so we see that the big deal about having weights and sins in our life is it's bigger than just you. It hurts you, but it hurts actually not just you. It hurts people around you, and it hurts the generation coming after you. Because you could be running so slow and hindering yourself so much that you hand it off, and the generation can't do what they're called to do because of the way you handed it to the generation after you. Are you here today? And so we need to run this race with endurance with endurance. So it says that we need to run this race with endurance because it's a long race. It's a marathon. It's a relay race. It's going to take some time. But to run it effectively, we need to strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has for us. Can we talk about weights for a second here? I'm a good pupil of Brother Sean, so I have an object lesson. I didn't win, I didn't win candy in children's church for nothing. 
So, if, uh, no, I'm not, I'm not Amzie Bach here, so I, I'm not able to, to handle this weight like he can handle it. So, I look like the guy from Pilgrim's Progress right now, I know, I realize that. So, it says, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Now, we're going to talk about weights specifically because when, when we talk about sin, now most of you, um, you at least have a background in church, Christian or non-Christian. Most people know what sin is. Sin's pretty obvious for most things. So we might talk about that at another time. Uh, but sin's pretty obvious. Most of you try to avoid sin. And I really feel, honestly, sin's not what messes most of us up. It's weights. Slows us down. Hinders our progress. Where we can't run the race that God wants us to run. So weights in our life, some people could call it baggage. People say, I got a lot of baggage in my life. Most people are carrying around a lot of baggage in their life. A lot of weights in their life. And to really run, run your race effectively, you're going to have to lose the weight. Look at your neighbor and say, lose weight. <laughs> yep, I just got all you men in trouble. Thank you very much. You can forget that lunch or dinner. So... When, when you're training for an Olympic race, whether that's to run or, or other things, you need to train and get in shape. And a lot of times, you have to cut some weight. You have to drop some weight, you know, especially in the boxing uh, field. Uh, where's my good friend, Mr. Flores? He's not here this morning. But my good friend, Josh, he, he's been boxing and he's lost 40-some pounds to be in the fight he's about to be in next week. He had to cut weight to qualify for the fight. Where you at this morning? He had to drop some weight so he would be fit enough to participate in the fight that he was fighting. Or he wouldn't have been qualified. He lost 40-some pounds. A lot of Olympic athletes have to, have to cut weight, have to lose weight. Why? Because they realize weight can hinder us. Weight can hold us back. Weight can make us slow. Weight can hinder us from being all that we're called to be. And so you got to cut some weight. you got to drop some weight. So, we have to all drop some weight in our lives. Now, I'm not going to have Pastor Dennis here and talk about health. Unless you thought he was coming through the door and talk to you about eating, even though I've been thinking about it a lot lately. We're talking about spiritual weight, not physical weight. And there's things that we start collecting over time. Um, and spiritual weight comes upon us and it hinders our progress to run the race that God has set before us. We've got to cut weight. We have to drop some weight. Now, I, I mentioned this before. You know, I'm a big fan of Michael Jordan. Um, my name is Jordan Michael. Put two and two together. Think about it. Five nine six six, African American, white as can be. I mean, there's a lot of similarities between us. 
has his own shoe, has NBA championships, whatever. <laughs> There's a lot of similarities between us. So Michael Jordan is uh, one of my favorite athletes of all time. I grew up in the 90s, so I grew up with the Chicago Bulls, everything Chicago Bulls. And um, when I was younger, I really thought, and me and Miss Donna's faith failed. <laughs> yeah, it failed. Because for many years, I said, Miss Donna, let's get an agreement here that I'm going to at least be like 6'2 or 6'3. Because I can't make it to the NBA at 5'9. It's not going to work. And I'm giving myself a generous 5'9, so nobody say anything smart to me about that. Anyways. So, me and Miss Donna, for a long time in our prayer request, I would say, Miss Donna, we need to pray... About my height, I need to be at least 6'2 or 6'3 if I'm going to get to the NBA. Or it's not going to happen. So we failed. And, uh, (laughs) Miss Donna, please. Or did we? I'm 29. Come on, I'm holding out. Maybe I still got a few more inches to grow. So anyways, because um, I love basketball, uh, I would always play basketball because I wanted to dunk. Because Michael Jordan, he's known for dunking. And I'm 5'9", and the, the goal is 10 foot. So there's a little distance between me and the goal. Now, Haas, don't you laugh like that on the front row. Okay. Tall guys got jokes on the front. Okay. So we're going somewhere here. Trust me, we are. Um, so I wear ankle weights all the time. And I, and I would wear ankle weights around the house. And you wear ankle weights for a reason, to get your muscles stronger in your legs. So then when you take them off, you can fly. You know what I'm saying? Anybody watch Space Jam in here? So you wear these ankle weights... And not just basketball players do it, runners do it. You'll see runners, they, they'll wear a, even a, a belt that has weight in it, or sometimes they'll wear a vest that has weight in it. <coughs> so, so when they run, and, and they run like that time after time again, when they take it off, they're so much lighter so they can really run fast, and they can have endurance. So if they train with weight on, then when it comes time to really run the race, they can take it off, and they're, they're stronger. And so, when I was younger, I used to wear ankle weights all the time. Now, I never made it to 10 foot. Uh, I felt like I got close many a times in my life. Yeah, yeah, of course we did. (laughs) But you wore those weights on purpose. But notice, you can't play a game in those weights. And you can't really race in those. They're, They're for training only. That You're not supposed to really wear them. And to really run as fast as you want to run and to run as strong as you want to run and to jump as high as you want to jump, you're going to have to lose the weight. You're going to have to drop the weight. Nobody in the Olympics keeps those weights on. They take them off so they can run with endurance and win the race. Are you seeing what I'm saying this morning? And all of us in here have weights in our life that's hindering us. And notice what the New Living says. It's slowing us down. It's not stopping us. Now, sin stops us, but weights just slow us down where we really can't fulfill everything 
that God has called us to fulfill. We really can't do everything that God has planned for us to do. We can only do part of it because we're running so slow. We're, we're not jumping that high because we've got so much weight on us. Just like today, if, if I took off running, which it wouldn't be super fast, but if I took off running right now, I would get tired pretty quick because of this weight on my back. I'd get tired real quick. And I tell you what, as soon as I took, took it off, I would feel so much better and be able to run so much faster and do so much more when this weight had been relieved. You know, a little known fact, there was a youth rally many and many years ago where I preached a message called Lay Aside the Weight. Probably one of my greatest hits. Um, you wouldn't want to hear it because I, I had braces, so I had a really bad lisp. Uh, my voice was changing, so there was a lot of voice cracks. And uh, I thought I was Jim Carrey uh, when I was preaching that night. Um, so we're never going to release that ever, just so you know. And, and hey. But a priest about lay aside the weight. And we were talking about the weights that are in our life, the weights that hold us back, the weights that slow us down. We all got weight in here that we need to cut loose. So it says, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Now, today... Thinking about weights. Now, what is a weight for you? Well, the thing is, with a weight, it's not like sin. Because a sin, you would try to avoid it. If it was sin, then it would be the same across the board. But there's different things in different people's lives that are weights for them that are not weights for somebody else. So you can't just make a blanket statement and say, well, you need to get rid of that. Well, maybe God didn't tell you to get rid of that. It's just bad for you. It's just holding you back as maybe not holding somebody else back and vice versa. So the question is, is it sin? Is It's an okay question, but that's really, that's kind of when you first get saved. That's an immature question to ask. Really, if it's a weight, is the better question is, like it says in Proverbs, is this wise to have this in my life? Because it's slowing me down. It's hindering my progress. And notice it's not just hindering my progress, it's hindering how I hand it off to the next generation after me. It's hindering my progress, uh, how I hand it off to people around me, because I can affect their race too. And the weight slows us down. Now I'm going to talk about a few things now. This is not a complete list or anything like that. Uh, But some weights in your life. I would say the number one weight in a lot of people's life is relationships. Relationships. Relationships in people's life are weights that hold them back. They might not be sin, but that person in your life is hindering your progress, is slowing you down. It's going to stop you from finishing your race when you should finish it. And that is one of the biggest things in most people's lives because they don't want to cut weight. They don't want to drop the weight because they're scared of what other people will think. Relationships is one of the main things. I love this. Pastor Nancy said this, and I've repeated it so many times. She said when when she wrote the, the, uh, uh, I think it was the foreword uh, for 
one of dad's books about spiritual fathers, she said, when God wants to bless your life, he sends somebody. But when the enemy wants to mess up your life, he sends somebody. He doesn't show up at your door with a red face and a pitchfork and horns. He doesn't do that because we would all say, nope, not today, Satan. Close the door. You're not getting in. But how many know the enemy's been around a long time? He's smarter than you think. He's not showing up at your door dressed like that. He, a lot of times he shows up into your life like somebody you would enjoy being with. He shows up into your life with somebody you think's funny. He shows up in your life with somebody that you can relate to. Not, not really bad. Not really too bad. But enough to hinder your progress. And enough to slow you down. And they're a weight in your life. So one of the number one weights for a lot of us in here is relationships. Now that could be a, a girl-guy relationship or it could just be a friendship. Somebody that you've been holding on to a long time, but they've been holding you back. And they're a weight. You don't got to be mean about it, but sometimes you've got to cut some weight if you want to fulfill the plan of God for your life. You know, there's still people I can get around today, and all their conversations are things that happened 15 years ago. I'm not living 15 years ago. I'm living today. What, what's going on in your life the past 15 years? Oh, nothing. Let's just look back at 15 years ago. Some of you in here have those people. Maybe it was 30 years ago. That's all you got to talk about? 30 years ago, the good life. 40 years ago, 50 years ago, what was going on? People like that will hold you back, keep you down. You can love them, but love them from a distance because they will slow your progress. And if we want to run this race, we have to cut some weight from slowing us down. You get something so far this morning. A lot of times it's relationships, and sometimes it's going to be people that you really like. But you're going to have to distance yourself. Why? Because you want to run your race and run it to win. Here's another one, habits. Habits can be weights. Not all necessarily sin. But they can be weights. Wrong habits. Me as a young person knows this, especially about millennials. There's a lot of bad things said about millennials, and some of them are right. And a lot of them have bad habits, which they don't realize, but it will hinder them the rest of their life. Like being lazy. All right. Come on. Baby boomer, say amen to this. I know you've been wanting to say it, but I just said it for you. Millennials are lazy. Someone call it out so I can agree. (laughs) But it could just be bad habits in your life. Maybe you don't show up uh, to work on time. Maybe you're lazy. Maybe you could be doing something big for God, but you just won't put any effort into it. It could be those aren't sins, but they're just bad habits that are holding you back and slowing you down. Habits. It could be you just waste all your time on social media and watching Netflix. Now, that's not sin, but that's definitely a weight for a lot of us in here because it's slowing us down. It's hindering our progress. And we don't see it because it's not sin. But it's definitely a weight. Because we can all agree in here, a lot of us would be so much further if we didn't spend so much time doing things that don't matter. 
We could be so much greater. We could be making so much money. We could be pursuing the dreams and plans of God if we weren't wasting our time doing things that don't matter in the light of eternity at all. But notice we, we're okay with those things. Why? Because they're not sin, but they're definitely weights. When we could be using that time to develop ourselves spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, moving forward with what God has called us to do. And that's not just for young people. Some of you uh, older people in here are just as bad in those areas. And notice their habits, and their habits that are not sinful, but they're holding us back. They're holding us back. And like the scripture says, they're weights that slow us down. They hinder our progress. And so a lot of us have weights like that in our life. I want to talk about one more before we go on here. There's another weight with a lot of us in here. Some would call it our baggage, but it's our past. If we're going to run the race with endurance and run it to win, we're going to have to get past our past. I would say almost more than anything, it's up there with relationships, people's past are weights that hold them down. They carry their past, just like this bag, their whole life. And they wonder why they're always so tired. And they're running so slow. It's because you have hundreds of pounds of weight on your back and you won't give it up. And even though God has this big plan and you, you still are kind of on the plan of God and you still are kind of going the right direction, you're not doing what you could do because of your past. And some of you guys, your past in here is not lightweight. It's heavy. Like really heavy. Like hundreds of pounds heavy. Well, you're not even walking right. You're, you're just humped hunched over, just trying to get, get forward every day in your life, just to move forward just a little bit because it's heavy. It weighs you down, slows you down. And the thing is like that, a weight that that's strong and, and is that, that, that is ha- that heavy, it, it comes in our life. And what happens, if it's that heavy, a lot of us will just give up before we finish because you can't carry it any longer. So these weights in our life are not to be taken lightly just because they're not sin. Because the weights that we carry can hold us back and slow us down. A lot of times they hold us back. Our past holds us back. Let's look over at Philippians. You guys getting something this morning? Philippians, uh, we're going to read here in chapter 3, and we're going to read here in a second in verse 13. A lot of people will say that they are a prisoner of their past. That's the way a lot of people live. They're a prisoner of their past. Now, the truth is this. You are a product of your past, but you're not a prisoner. 
Because when you say that and when you think that, you make yourself a victim that can never get out of it. But the word of God says you're not a victim, you're a victor. Come on, where are you at this morning? The word of God says you're not locked into this forever. Yes, you are a product of your past, but you're not a prisoner. Yeah, you are the way you are because of your past, but you don't have to stay that way. That's the good news. And notice what the Apostle Paul said. Now, the Apostle Paul, even though he did all these things for God, he had a past. He murdered Christians before he became a Christian. That's a heavy past. That's not just like I just forgot to forgive somebody or I just I flicked off somebody when I was driving. Okay, those aren't good either. But when you're murdering Christians, that's a heavy weight in your past. And Paul says in Philippians 3 and verse 13, Now, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. He's talking about this race. He's not at the finish line yet. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Verse 14, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Notice what he says, in this race, I forget the past and I look forward to what lies ahead. And I press on to reach the end of the race. Because he realized, if I keep looking backwards, I'm not going to be able to finish my race. Now, you know that if somebody's running in the race, they can't keep going. They're not going to win. Especially some people running like this. (laughs) You're not going to win. And he says, I forget what's behind me, and I look forward to what lies ahead. And I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God is calling through Christ Jesus. So another weight that we have to let go is our past. We're not prisoners. We are products, but we're not prisoners. We can move forward. And like it says in the New Testament, God says that he can... Make old things new. He said old things are passed away. All things become new. And he says, what you have to do if you want to win the race, Paul says, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Notice he said, looking forward to what lies ahead. Now I'm going to tell you what he's talking about here because it's tied into the scriptures we're reading. Hebrews 12, let's go back over there. Hebrews 12, verse 1. You guys get something today? Oh, I'm sweating pretty good in this. (laughs) So he said, forget the past, and I press forward. I look forward to the, the prize ahead of me. I look forward to the prize ahead of me. I forget the past, and I look forward. Now, what is he talking about? Well, in Hebrews 12 and verse 2, what does it say? We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he's seated at the place of honor. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. Notice what he says. The Apostle Paul said, I forget what's behind and I look forward to what's ahead. Now, what's ahead? Jesus. 
the finish line. And in verse 2, he's saying the same idea. He's talking about a race. How do we run this race? How do we have endurance? How do we let go of these weights? We keep our eyes on Jesus. Other translations say the author and the finisher of our faith. The author and the finisher of our faith. Now, that's encouraging, meaning that I'm not in this race by myself and in my own strength. Because he's the one who started this in me, and he's the one who's going to finish this in me. And it says that Jesus is the author, the beginning, and he is the end. He's the alpha, and he's the omega. He's the first, and he's the last. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. Means he's going to help me start, but he's going to help me finish. But it says it will only happen if we keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I love it. It says in the New Living, our champion. Now, the thing about coaches is this. You need to listen to a coach who actually wins. Now, that's my problem with people in the stands shouting comments to people that are playing the sports. Like, what championship did you ever win? Sit your butt down, dude. Because you know, like, especially Southern Indiana basketball games, everybody thinks they're Bob Knight and knows the answers to all the questions. No, you need to do this. You need to run a pick. You need to shoot the shot. Did you win any championships? No, you didn't. Sit your butt down. Now, I wouldn't say that because I'm very pastorally when I go places. But isn't that the truth? You don't take advice from somebody who ain't winning. Isn't that the truth? Why do we listen to everybody else when Jesus says he's the champion, he finished, he won, thus we should listen to him and look to him because he already did this. He already did it. He already finished. He already won. He's already the champion. I listen to champions. Not just people that are going to want to tell you what to do. And he says, if you want to win, You're going to have to look to Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith, because he already won this thing, so he can tell you how to win too. And I love that he is the one who starts and he helps you finish. Let's look over at Philippians 1. You got me preaching today. Keeping your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Keeping our eyes on Jesus. If you ever watch athletes in Olympic Games, once again, they don't look behind them and they don't look to the sides. It's amazing. You'll see those people that are running and there will be guys on either side of them coming up behind them and they never look over, ever. Because they realize as soon as I start paying attention to something other than the finish line, I'm going to slow down. As soon as I start looking at something other than the finish line, other than Jesus, I'm going to lose. So I'm not going to look behind me. That's a no-brainer. But I'm not going to look at the people beside me either. You realize you're not in a race here against each other. Where are you at this morning? You're not in a race against each other. If somebody's doing good, that doesn't mean that you're not going to do good. If somebody else is winning, doesn't mean you're, gonna, you're not going to win. He's not talking about we're racing each other. We're just in this race to finish what God has called us to do. That's why he says, I don't want you to look back. 
But I also don't want you to look side to side. I want you to look at the finish line and look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We got nine minutes and we're going to slide into home. (laughs) Philippians 1 in verse 6. I could feel my shirt. It's just drenched right now. (laughs) Thank you, AMC. You gave me this today. Philippians 1 and verse 6. Notice what it says. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it's fully finished. And on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Notice he says, I am fully certain that he who began a good work within you will continue his work until it's finally finished. Finally finished. Now let's look back over at Hebrews one more time. Did you guys get something today? So we keep our eyes on Jesus. We keep our eyes on the finish line, not on anybody else. Not behind us, not beside us, but we look to the champion Jesus who initiates and perfects our faith, who is the author and the finisher. And notice we look to him, but we also look to his example on how he did it. Like I was saying, you listen to a coach who's been there before. You listen to a coach who won championships. So when you get in a tough time, you can say, okay, you were in this situation. How did you do it? How did you win? How did you coach? How did you get through it? And it tells you in this part of the verse right here what Jesus did to make it through the cross to the resurrection and to where he is right now in heaven. It tells you how he did it. Now let's read this. It says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. When we look at Jesus and what he went through, we can look at ourselves and say, man, what I'm going through is really not that bad compared to what Jesus went through. What I'm dealing with right now is nowhere compared to what Jesus experienced, having the sin and the weight of the world on his shoulders, and he finished his race. You can look at that and say, I'm not going to give up. Like it says, you can look at the example of Jesus, and when you look at that, it will make you not become weary and not give up because of how he ran and finished his race. But notice it only happens if we stay focused on Jesus, stay looking at Jesus, stay looking at the finish line, stay looking at what we're called to do. Because as soon as we take our eyes off of that, we start slowing down in our race. We start adding weight to our race. We start looking side to side and back, and we don't finish the race that God has set before us. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. I love that we're not in this race alone. It's not how fast you are in your natural strength or how strong you are to finish and be disciplined and endure to the end. That's some people's favorite scripture. That's a scripture, but people can take it the wrong way. Those who endure to the end shall be saved. Like you're just dragging in. 
Pilgrim's Progress is dragging in. You got darts in your back, barely walk, got all sorts of weights. Those who endure to the end shall be saved. I don't think that's what he means. You need to have endurance, but not barely getting by the finish line. But running full sprint to the finish line. Not dragging in with fiery darts all over your back and weights on your shoulders, but finishing the race, like Paul said, with joy. Sprinting to the finish line. Hebrews 12 and verse 1. Now, I'm going to read this from the message translation, so you can just listen to it. We're going to close here. Did you guys get something today? The race of faith. Hebrews 12 and verse 1. Now, If these verses don't make you shout, then you're not saved, and I don't know how to help you today. So, (laughs) joking, kind of, but they're really good. Let's look at the message. It says, do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on. Isn't that the truth? Hey, and you know what? Right now, I know we're going to celebrate and honor Mr. Blaylock's life. He's up in heaven right now cheering us on. Do you know that? He went before us, and he's up there with every hero of faith right now, cheering us on. Notice what it says. Since these people are cheering us on, it means we better get on with it. Strip down. Not literally, everybody. Strip down. Start running and never quit. I love this. No extra spiritual fat. No sin. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was heading. That exhilarating finish in and with God, he could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. I love this. Now now hear what I'm saying here. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over the story again and again, item by item, the long litany of hostility he plowed through, and that will shoot adrenaline in your souls. Sometimes you just need a Holy Ghost Red Bull to wake yourself up and keep on running. A spiritual double shot. Sometimes you need that. And those of you that are all natural and organic, like I'm trying to be right now, you take that stuff that Pastor Dennis gives you with so many vitamins and minerals, you're like, what the heck's in here? But I feel great, so I'm going to chug it right now. I need it. Some Holy Ghost energy drinks. When you're flagging in your slowing down in your race we all need that and how do we do that we keep our eyes on Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith and it says it will shoot adrenaline into your souls now your souls is where you need it in your mind your will and emotions notice he says your souls it will shoot shoot adrenaline into your souls your mind your will your emotions that's really the place you get weary is in your souls And it will shoot adrenaline into your souls, notice, so you can finish your race. You guys get anything this morning? Well, let's pray. 
First of all, as we close today, let me say this. Uh, If there's anybody here who doesn't know Jesus and wants to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior today, we're going to pray a prayer with you if that's you. Nobody looking around. Uh, Just real quickly. uh, If that's you, just raise your hand. Uh, Nobody's looking around. We're not trying to embarrass you. We're just going to say a prayer uh, together today. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Let me say this. Maybe, uh, maybe some of you today could say, yeah, I can identify some weights in my life that I need to let go of. And I'm just going to decide today that I'm going to let go of some weights. If that's you, could you just raise your hand for, for a moment here? Raise your hand for a moment. Okay, we're going to pray a, a prayer here. And, and I want you, as we pray this prayer, I just want you to say, just in your own words, just, just God, you know, I, I let go of this weight and just name it, whatever it is. I let go of this today. So, Father, we just get in agreement as a church family. We pray for every person who's raised their hands today. We thank you, Father God, that uh, you are the author and finisher of our faith and of this race. And, Father, we let go of sins. We let go of weights in our life that is holding us back and keeping us down. Father, we want to finish this race and finish it with joy. And, Father, we thank you that we're going to run this race with endurance. We're going to finish everything that God has called us to finish. We're going to do everything you called us to do. And, Father, we're going to do it by keeping our eyes on you. And, Father, we let go today of any weights, of any sins that are holding us back and tripping us up. We let them go today. We thank you through your power and through your strength that you're going to give us the strength and ability to finish our race and finish it with joy. Father, we release it right now. We let it go right now. We, we finish this race, and we let go of those things that are behind us. Father, we thank you that you are uh, the start and the finish. Father, you are our strength in the beginning and the end. And in the middle, Father God, you give us strength. I pray, Father God, today, like this verse said in the message, that you would shoot adrenaline, the Spirit of God, into our souls today. Some of us have been discouraged. Some of us have been held back today. I pray, Father God, that you would encourage us and strengthen us for the next part of our race. That, Father God, that your strength and ability will be made perfect in our weakness. That, Father God, that when we are weak, that you are strong. And, Father God, we thank you that you're going to pick us up and you're going to help us. And we're going to finish our race. Everyone in here is going to complete our race with joy. Father, we're going to do what you called us to do. And, Father, we thank you today for this service. We thank you for... Uh, the rest of this day, Father, we just we thank you for uh, the memorial service tonight. We thank you that your presence is already here in this place. We'll be here the rest of the day. Father, we thank you for your peace that passes all understanding to guard our hearts and our minds today. Father, we thank you that the joy of the Lord will be our strength today. Father, when we thank you for your presence and your power to be present uh, during the showing, during the funeral, for this entire day as we celebrate and we honor the life of Mr. John Blaylock. And Father God, that we would uh, learn from his example, Father, that we would be honorable and faithful people just like he was. And Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for uh, just this encouragement we've heard today that we would walk out of this place new and refreshed and ready to run even further and faster and harder and better. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys are just